we are in a regulated industry. We have a lot of policies, procedures. We operate in a black and white environment. Just they're not actively thinking about AI. And if they're not actively thinking about AI, they're not actively applying it. How our clients position themselves, frankly, to do more with less and then to retain their current talent. You really look at our whole lifestyle. I mean, Amazon, Waiter, they really have spoiled us to the point where everybody wants it as easy as it can be. And that has to play out in the banking industry as well. Making it easy, making it quick, making it instant is so important nowadays. Generative AI, it's a complete game changer in terms of opportunities as well as threats. It's gonna fundamentally change the way that we do business. The industry of financial services is constantly evolving and facing new challenges. To succeed in this dynamic environment, you need to learn from the best and brightest in the field. Welcome to Bank on Whipley, the podcast that brings you insights and best practices for those in financial services. In each episode, we'll explore industry issues, hot topics, and current trends that affect your organizations. We'll also hear from experts and thought leaders who share their expertise and experience on how to stay ahead of the curve. Let's get into today's conversation. Welcome everyone. Today's guest is Tina Dinger, Senior Vice President and Head of the Enterprise Project Manage Office at Northwest Bank in Warren, Pennsylvania. Also joining us is my colleague, Tim Merrill, Senior Manager of Financial Services here at Whitley. We know from our work with financial institutions that there are always projects and initiatives being undertaken at any given time, many of which have significant impact on the organization. With rising costs, consistent regulatory pressure, uncertain market concerns, and limited resources, it's more important than ever for projects to not only be delivered on time and on budget, but to also have the full support of leadership and stakeholders needed to drive user adoption that will ultimately deliver a return on the investment sought. Project management and an office of project management are often overlooked infrastructures for financial service organizations. So given this, let's jump in. Tina and Tim, thank you so much for being here today. Would you provide our listeners some information about your backgrounds? Sure. Thanks, Robert. And uh, good morning, everyone. It's great to be here with, with Tim and you. Uh, as you already mentioned, I am currently the Senior Vice President and Head of the Enterprise Project Management Office at Northwest Bank. Uh, headquartered in Warren, Pennsylvania, our holding company, though, recently moved to Columbus, Ohio. So Northwest is a $14 million full-service financial institution. I started at the bank 16 and a half years or so ago, back in, I think, 2007, as an IT project manager. And I was hired by the, at that time, new CIO. I was a team of one for approximately eight years, directly managing the selection and implementation of dozens of technology and process improvement projects, as well as a few merger and acquisitions in the midst of that. I wasn't originally hired uh, per se to establish a PMO, and I think unknowingly at the time, I was actually doing just that. And I'll talk a little bit more about the different types, but I was functioning as a supportive type PMO for 
a good many of years while I was implementing all of those technology projects. In 2015, I had the opportunity to expand and round out the, the, the PMO. Uh, I added a senior project manager, a business analyst, and a business process analyst. This is really when we formed the IT PMO. Four years later, in 2019, the executive leadership team decided to elevate our PMO to an enterprise project management office and changed my reporting structure to the chief financial officer. We now currently are a team of eight and beyond leading the bank's most strategic initiatives, we're responsible for managing the bank's annual strategic planning process. We oversee our project portfolio management and governance, so how projects come into our office and how they're prioritized. We facilitate the RFP and vendor due diligence processes for critical third-party vendors, mainly technology, but also outsource services. We provide business analysis, quality assurance and testing, process improvement, and recently added organizational change management services to our, our toolkit. Uh, in addition to leading the EPMO office, I'm also a member of our bank senior mentoring program and uh, inaugural member of the bank's diversity inclusion council, where I spearheaded the launch of the bank's first employee resource groups, and I now currently lead uh, our lead for women's ERG. I'm extremely passionate about project management and the work that my team delivers for the bank, and I'm really looking forward to sharing my experiences with you today. Fantastic. Thank you, Tina. Tim. Thanks, Robert. Uh, as you said, I'm a senior manager here at Whipley, and I'm on the other side of Pennsylvania from where Tina is um, here in our Radnor office that's in the Philadelphia suburbs. Uh, I work as part of the firm's financial services practice and lead our growth efforts in the Mid-Atlantic region. I also work with some of our larger financial institution clients across the country, um, collaborating with leaders within those organizations to understand their strategic vision um, and then how we as a firm can help them to even be you know, more successful along that journey. Um, before I started working with Whipley, I was a banker like you and Tina for uh, over 20 years here in the Philadelphia market. And I worked mostly in the treasury management and uh, payments in leadership roles during that time. Um, I have been uh, on the other side of things uh, in, in banks that didn't necessarily have any type of uh, project management, uh, you know, PMO structure. Uh, and, and really during that time, uh, saw a great need, whether it was in you know, community banks or uh, larger regional banks uh, for, for you know, some more uh, collaboration and organization around a lot of these projects that happen at the banks. So I'm really looking forward to, to hearing um, you know, what Tina has to share uh, in that space and being part of the conversation. So thanks for having me. Great, Tim. Thank you. Tina, why don't we start out? Can you help us understand the importance of project management for a financial services provider or a financial institution? Absolutely. So financial institutions probably have more responsibilities than any other industries when it comes to remaining compliant with regulations 
And it's an incredibly complicated task. And I think back even my my tenure here at Northwest and just how more challenging it is to deliver on these projects. And if keeping up with increased compliance and the regulatory requirements isn't enough, we have the rapid changes in banking technologies now introducing automation and AI. We have increased customer expectations uh, and that desire for instant gratification. We have the shift from brick and mortar to digital banking, only expedited by the pandemic. We all are experiencing budget constraints related to the current economic environment and the inverted yield curve. We have stretched employees, so we're all feeling fatigued. And it makes it a very difficult landscape really for any business to successfully manage and execute against their projects. Regulations and bank responsibility as it relates to handling sensitive and financial data, you know, mean that any project a bank commits to, as I've already mentioned, is really inherently complex. And effective project management enhances the risk management and helps to identify issues early on. I sit also on the Pennsylvania Bankers Association's Program and Membership Committee, and on a recent call, the president and CEO, Duncan Campbell, shared with us that in 2010, so what, 14 years ago, there were over 200 and uh, there were 208 Pennsylvania state chartered banks, and that has significantly decreased to about 125. And when he shared that with us, I immediately thought, wow, I wonder why or how those banks failed at keeping up with the constant change of the internal and external pressure. And I wondered how many of those banks had an established project management function. Because I actually think a PMO um, provides a strategic advantage for financial institutions. And the leadership team can rely on those project management professionals to manage that huge influx of, of regulatory and technical and efficiency projects that will help them meet the constant changing regulatory requirements, those increased customer needs, and ultimately remain competitive and a financially viable institution. I think, Tina, these are excellent points for any leadership team to consider when developing their PMO or OPM. I know both are used. Um, we live in a very fast-paced, changing environment. Certainly, there's a you know a lot of things to consider. Tim, in your experience with clients' work across the country, why are PMOs or project management methodologies really becoming a key driver in your conversation in financial services? Well, Robert, to Tina's point, I think there's you know there's so many new initiatives, uh, regulations, external challenges that uh, you know our clients are dealing with like cyber and fraud and you know uh, other things to keep up with. Even at a small bank, um, there really has to be some level of control or oversight over all of it because otherwise things are getting lost in the weeds that. Um, you know, could be really important to the continued success of the bank or even the continued viability of the bank. Um, and and that's not slowing down. And, and, and really, it seems as though more of, uh, of this type of activity keeps increasing. And, you know, at the same time, our clients are trying to do even more with less, manage that efficiency, stretches our people even thinner than they already are, um, and, you know, that can really just lead to an organization being overrun and ultimately not being able to keep up with the change. 
So how to address that from a project standpoint, uh, both at the, I'll call it service line level, and then at the organizational level is, is just more important now than ever to do. I would agree with you as projects and initiatives become more complex, definitely thinking about that infrastructure. Tina, you brought up how many financial institutions in Pennsylvania that are no longer around maybe didn't have a PMO. How would our listeners know when it's time to start building out a project management function or a team at their organization? And is there a, a I guess, right time, so to speak? Yeah, I, I always joke, I get this question quite a bit and I always say it was probably yesterday. Cause if you're asking that question, it's likely you're already experiencing some of those challenges with uh, strategy execution or uh, in some cases, I think regulatory pressure to have a project management office or project management standards within the organization. In fact, according to FFIEC examiner guidelines, uh, you know, regulations are stating that institutions that routinely complete multiple projects should establish a project management office to help coordinate those activities and that they should have standards in place to address project requests the review of those projects uh, to strategic alignment, an approval process, project management methodology, you know, selection, and ultimately reporting and documentation requirements. So if they're not already getting regulatory pressure to stand up a PMO, they're probably all also experiencing a few other things, which in my experience, and before we had really developed the PMO, I had leaders sitting around a table discussing and even worse debating which project should be priority because they were you know, feeling their project wasn't getting enough uh, resources or, or commitments from, from the rest of the organization. You know, another part of that is, and when there isn't sort of prioritization around what projects we should be focused on, team members who are working on those projects and they're they're juggling multiple projects at one time you know they're deciding on their own what projects they're going to work on that day and often more than not it's probably not the most important one for the organization i also experienced when leaders were requesting more transparency on project progress and the financial impact and before we had the pmo and our standards in place it was really challenging to gather that information and then third i would say when your it and business functional managers are generally the ones that are working on the projects or assigning their resources they're starting to get burnt out from trying to not only manage project work but also their day-to-day -day operational responsibilities and I always call them my good soldiers, but you know they're they're trying to perform two very demanding jobs, and that becomes very clear when they become burnt out. So I would say to any of the the listeners uh, today, if they can relate to any of these key indicators, that now may be the right time to start considering building out that function within the organization. You know, excellent insights, certainly on the impact on the team or culture of the organization. Tim, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I've seen a lot of this happen uh, when Tina talks, uh, you know, about the, uh, the, the burnout factor. Um, I've seen a lot of it happen in operations teams. Um, you know, IT teams are, 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 are one that generally gets a lot of the projects just because it's, you know, systems related or, or, or software related, whatnot. Uh, but the operations teams as well, you know, that burnout is real. Um, 
the the ops teams are extremely busy. But if you you know if you think about your time in the bank, uh, mine was this way. You know they tend to be the teams that get tapped for the new initiatives and the important projects because they're the people in the bank that know how to get things done. Um, so when you're at a bank and you need anything, you just go down to ops, and usually they know the answer. And then they, on top of that, just jump in and fix it while you're standing there. Um, so if you're a leader and you see enough of that, the easy answer is, well, let's just give it to ops because they'll get it done. Um, and the, the the challenge with that is, you know, that that pile on leads to a lot of stress, um, a, a lot of dissatisfaction in some cases, and ultimately turnover of some really good people that you know none of us can really afford to lose in this employment climate so you know the talent's tough enough to find we have to make sure that we keep the great people that we have and you know give them a, a bit of a balance or they're going to go somewhere else to find the balance tim i know you and i've been talking about that psychological safety impact and i think you're making a good point there is that in a real uncertain environment, multi-pressure environment, the need to have an infrastructure that says we have support is really key. And Tina, I think you're highlighting that as well. You know, Tina, question for you, what's the best way for our listeners to understand uh, the resources they may need once they decide to stand up or maybe implement a project management strategy? Yeah, and before I jump to that, I just wanted to kind of echo something that Tim mentioned about relying on or always looking at the operations team. And, you know, one of the things that the operations managers, they have a lot of important business processes that they're managing and overseeing. And, and I have found that when we do tap into them for a lot of this project work or management work, the day-to-day -day work often slips. And then you could potentially have additional regulatory or risks uh, to the bank because of that lack of oversight on their real responsibility. So I think, you know, differentiating between an operations manager and project manager, and they definitely work collaboratively together, but they don't necessarily have to be one in the same. So getting back to your question around um, best way for uh, to understand the resources needed. You know, I'll say one size obviously doesn't fit all. Not every bank is the same, but it is important for the organization to understand their needs, what's really the driver behind, you know, wanting to build out a project management office, what's the culture of the organization, and what's really their project management maturity? I remember when I came to the bank in 2007, there were projects um, and there were people managing projects. There just wasn't standards around it. So you have to understand really where are you starting from. I would definitely recommend if you don't have a very mature project management capability within either operations or IT, which is where I tend to see it, it start, I would recommend the leveraging outside experts or consultants such as uh, your organization who have experience or knowledge of establishing the type of a PMO uh, and completing an initial needs assessment with the leadership team. That will help them identify the type of PMO and where the PMO should sit in the organization, which I think is really important. And, you know, I, I stumbled upon it. <laughs> Thankfully, I was hired by a very supportive CIO who understood the value of project management. And so when I mentioned that, you know, we started off really with a, a supportive PMO, 
And in that role, I was more consultative. So we, I provided best practices and templates while I was managing projects. But I, that helped to establish credibility across the organization. So I, I wasn't really enforcing and I wasn't really stepping on others' toes. I was managing really IT-sponsored projects. And that's why a supportive PMO tends to be more successful when it's sitting within an IT or inside a business unit that's, again, sponsoring those types of projects. Another type of project that uh, type of PMO that they might consider is a controlling PMO or a compliance PMO. They do everything that a supportive PMO does, but they also have some power to enforce the compliance of those project management standards. I see this or I've heard of this type of PMO being put in when there is sort of that regulatory pressure to put in a PMO, especially if there's regulate, uh, regulative um, challenges that the organization is, is facing. Uh, and then directive PMO, which we've actually morphed into or evolved into uh, from a supportive PMO into a directive PMO where we're doing everything um, that both those other two are, but we also have a high degree of oversight of all of the enterprise level projects within the bank. And we assign PMOs to those, to those projects. So we, we are uh, an enterprise project management office, not only supporting technology, operations, uh, M&As, uh, process improvement, um, a, lot of a lot of our regulatory and risk projects are also being managed by our team. In terms of reporting structure, I've already sort of mentioned it, but you know, when you're thinking about resources and where do you want to sort of put this, most importantly is that you have an executive sponsor who understands the value of it, but a business unit PMO can be successful. You don't have to start off with an enterprise or a corporate level PMO. An enterprise or corporate PMO will typically report to a CEO, but in my case, I report to the chief financial officer. It can also be in IT or a business unit, but I often find that it doesn't get enough support to be successful. Uh, and really um, enforce those requirements. Once the type of project management function is determined, obviously you need to hire someone or, or uh, assign somebody to uh, the role, the head role, to build out that functionality. Once you've identified the types of PMOs, you do want to consider reporting structure. There are a couple of options, and not every PMO needs to start out at an enterprise or a corporate PMO. A business unit PMO is just as successful, most often sitting in IT, reporting to the CIO, but could also easily sit in operations and report to a chief operating officer. An enterprise or a corporate PMO, however, I do find is more successful reporting to a higher level executive, such as the CEO or the CFO. Once the organization has identified the type of PMO and where it's going to sit within the organization, it's obviously really important to appoint or hire the director of that function to build out the capabilities. And some additional considerations obviously are the staffing needs. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, training and education programs. If there's a need to have project management tools or software, standardizing framework such as your reporting and your processes and procedures, and also establishing some key KPIs and key success factors for the office.
Excellent, excellent background, Tina. I think for those people who are really starting to look at this, think about it for their organization, I think these are all key considerations. Where does it go in the organization? How does it evolve? So thank you. Tim, your thoughts on standing up a project management function? You have so much insight across our clients. Um, I think one of the things that Tina hit on with respect to leveraging outside experience um, is is really a is really a key. Um, you know, a lot of times we don't know what we don't know, right? So, um, you know, we have our own views, we have our own perception of things that are going on within our organization, but you know, having that outside view can a lot of times give us a little bit different uh, perspective on on what's going on, what people externally might see uh, than what we might be able to easily see ourselves since we're there every day. Um, you know, taking that external feedback and and the best practices that uh, that a partner, you know, might bring to the table and then using our expertise uh, and knowledge of our financial institution to apply some of that to our specific situation, I think can really be a, a huge benefit um, and, and really put that uh, PMO and, and initiative on good footing to grow out from there. Great, Tim, thank you. You know, uh, Tina, do you have any tips on how our listeners can get buy-in from leadership for that almighty dollar uh, to hire new project management positions or build out a, a real effective team? One size doesn't fit all, of course, but the cost of building out a project management team can certainly vary depending on the type and the size of the team that we just talked about. But in general, establishing a PMO often doesn't take a lot of hiring or a lot of budget dollars. I recommend letting the PMO sort of prove itself by having controlled growth, allowing the department to deliver high quality services and ensure alignment with the organizational and overall business needs for the a first couple of years. It's really important to educate the leadership on the value the project management function can bring to the organization, especially if you if they're if they're concerned about some resistance. Use past project failures uh, and cost overruns as justification for hiring and and building out the team. And then really important on an ongoing basis, report to the leadership team, the cumulative business value that the PMO has helped to deliver the organization. And I tell my project managers all the time, we have to think about it's not just the project deliverables and the tasks that we're responsible for, we're really helping the organization you know, meet those regulatory requirements, the be competitive, uh, meet our customer needs like that's the value that we are bringing and so I always you know remind them and also report to our leadership team uh, just how important our PMO office is to the organization. I absolutely love that past project failure and cost overrun because I think there is an embedded cost team as you point out with not having the right infrastructure in place at an organization especially when we're doing complicated things in financial services. You know, Tim, can a financial service 
companies start with a third party to do some of this? How would they begin that conversation and think about budgeting if they're going to go to a third party? Gaining a better understanding of, of where they might need some help um, just based on, you know, past events and, and sort of the things they're seeing within their organization. Um, you know, if you're, I'd say to, to Tina's earlier point, you know, if you're if you're saying yes uh, to, to to one of the things she mentioned as far as uh, staffing or resourcing or or uh, uh, you know visibility and coordination and not and not having that uh, you know across the organization, then um, you know you gotta you gotta start somewhere. So if you so you know you have uh, you know you have that challenge, uh, reach out to. Um, you know, a, an expert in that area and, and just have the conversation as, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the start. Uh, I mean, understanding what it may take and, and getting, uh, you know, an expert's view of, uh, you know, how you might be able to, as Tina said, slowly implement something over time and what data you would need to potentially bring to the table, you know, use the use use the success of others uh, that maybe that expert has worked with in the past to kind of understand, you know, what 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 stories do I need to tell? What data do I need to bring to my leadership organization that's going to be most meaningful? Um, and and you know, how does that apply to our specific uh, our our specific situation? Uh, again, just to hopefully have the the, the best opportunity for uh, successfully getting those dollars and getting that support at the leadership level. Yeah, I think, I think you bring up a good point, really, if you're going to be doing a new initiative or project and you don't have some of the infrastructure that Tina's talking about, should we invest in that as part of the cost of the project or the initiative? Tina, is it possible to leverage existing staff for project management roles, especially when you're building out a project management function? Absolutely. I, I actually believe that some of the best project managers I've hired have been internal employees who have either worked in IT or within one of the line of businesses or, or operations. They experience informally managing projects in their current role. And so a couple of things that I look for is that they have solid business acumen, that they're already knowledgeable about your organization's products and services and technologies. They have established work working relationships with others. So they know the go-to people, which is really important when you're a project manager and you need to you need an answer, you need to get things done. They have really superior soft skills. So they're good at communicating, they're good at conflict resolution, they're proactive they remain flexible. If they have good organizational and follow-through skills, the technical aspect of project management is relatively easy to teach. There are so many really good project management training courses and boot camps available. Uh, in fact, my company uses Skillsoft and they have a PMBOK training program, self-paced, that two of my project managers recently completed in about a three-month period. So I really recommend that 
organizations look internally first to see if they have a good candidate for uh, building out their PMO office versus hiring externally. Tina, I absolutely love the skill building aspect and certainly, you know, career building as part of this. If you find internal people uh, that can do it, what a what a great culture uh, addition to the organization. Tim, anything to add on some of these points? You can absolutely find great people internally. Um, I, I think uh, I've seen a lot of our clients um, using even taking it kind of a step further uh, for personality and skill set uh, to make sure that they have the right person in in the role, depending on which one they're hiring within that PMO and kind of where they are in the in the process of either establishing or growing it out. Uh, a lot of our clients are using things like the predictive index uh, and other tools to be able to really provide deeper assessment of the person to make sure that they have the right personality and traits uh, to look at things from, you know, an organizational level, a tactical level, strategic, some of those very important components of, of what that person is going to need in order to be successful in the role. Again, sort of, you know, set that initiative and person up for, for better success if they actually align well with the role from a personality perspective. And again, as Tina said, you can teach them uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the technical stuff after the fact if you have the right person. Yep. Good reminder, thank you, Tim. Tina, is there anything you'd like our listeners to know before we wrap up today's conversation? Yeah, just a, just a couple of things that, you know, I think one of my favorite quotes is fail to plan, plan to fail. Establishing and building out a project management function is no different than building out any other line of business or project for that matter. So it's important to create a plan to stand up that PMO and ensure that you have strong executive buy-in and support. I always tell my project managers, if you don't have an executive sponsor, you don't have a project. So if you don't have a strong executive sponsorship for your PMO, I'm not sure how successful you'll be at, at building it out, but once established, it's important to revisit the purpose of the PMO regularly. Develop a three-year roadmap and plan how you're going to mature that function. Have a mindset of continuous improvement. I put my Lean Six Sigma hat on and, and I'm always looking and listening for ways that our project management function can add value to the organization. You know, I mentioned that we not only provide project management services, but we've added business analysis, the RFP uh, and vendor due diligence support. We're doing process improvement initiatives, automation and you know recently added change management so really just continuing to evolve the pmo office uh, and also be open to to changing you know methodology such as a uh, hybrid and agile is becoming even more prevalent um, we've changed project management tools in the last few years so really just continuous improvement and adding continuing to add value and as the pmo matures and that pmo value increases the executives will quickly realize how critical that PMO office and function is within the organization. Absolutely. Tina, what a pleasure to have you as a guest today. Tim and I appreciate you being available to have the conversation. Thank you for your insights and certainly your expertise and of course your counsel to the industry. Thanks for having me. 
and to our listeners, thank you for allowing us to share some ideas with you. As always, reach out with any questions or comments. We look forward to hearing from you and having you listen to our next podcast. Today, our guests have been Tina Dinger, Senior Vice President and Head of the Enterprise Project Management Office at Northwest Bank in Warren, Pennsylvania, and Tim Merrill, Senior Manager, Financial Services here at Whipley. In today's podcast, we examined understanding the right time for a dedicated project management office or dedicated project management resources within the organization, how to build a project management solution that fits the needs of your organization, how to obtain buy-in from leadership for your project management strategy, and best practices for integration of project management with existing teams and initiatives. You've been listening to Bank on Whitley. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and tune into the next episode as we feature insights from other leaders in the financial services industry in even more ways you can stay ahead of the curve.